You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show. And we are back this morning, live from the uh, Resurrection Church in Eveleth, Mark Cheney, alongside Father Michael Gary. And uh, it is, we mentioned this earlier, the snow is just still kind of softly falling. It's beautiful. It's a great day. Typical November weather in Minnesota. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, it's awesome to be here. Winter is setting in yes, and quick. And quick. Um, I, I love winter. I love winter activities. Love winter sports, snowmobiling, especially here in our. our we've called it before God's country here in northern mm-hmm. Minnesota, but it truly is. And we uh, we love the outdoors, and we love uh, hunting season starts too. I don't know if you're a big hunter. Yeah, I, I haven't hunted in years, but same, same uh, there's here. definitely a lot of a lot of hunters in our area. Yes, and it's going to be busy here in the next couple of weeks. So, as the uh, hunters make their way in the, the north woods. And uh, we keep those folks in our prayers, too, as uh, they make a safe and successful hunt and uh, pray for everybody's safety. All right. This is Straight Talk. We are coming to you live from Eveleth, Minnesota, and uh, we look forward to your call. So let's get started with our program. And I believe right away, Father, we're going to go to the phone. We have a listener question. Uh, Not on the phone. Okay, here, not on the phone. Um, we'll get to that question in just a minute as uh, it's coming up. So, but uh, yeah, it's going to be a great show. Again, we want to remind listeners the number to call in on is 877 All right. Uh, looks like our first question here is from Michael from Williston. Okay, that question, okay, I guess right. we can go. we got a question. Here we are. <laughs> it is, um, finally there. Williston, a good friend of mine, Father Jared Johnson, priest of Bismarck, is from Williston. Uh, so, uh, hello, Mike. So the, the question is, he wants to know how many Eucharistic prayers there are for Mass, and which ones do they use, and when? Uh, well, in the Missal, there's ordinarily uh, the, the normal ones, let's say, are four, there's uh, the first one is the Roman Canon, which is the uh, traditional, uh, basically the old Latin Mass in English, uh, more or less, and uh, that's the long one. That's one where you hear when they say uh, uh, Peter, James, John, Thomas, James, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Simon, and Jude. We hear all the the saints uh, uh, in there. So that one takes a little bit longer. So uh, some priests, especially if they preached a little long, they might want to use a, a shorter one. So that's the first Eucharistic prayer. The second one is the shortest. Um, that one's often used at daily mass. It's uh, kind of more of just bare bones, um, uh, keeping all the integral parts of uh, the Catholic mass from before. Uh, the third Eucharistic prayer is... Um, the one that's, I would say, probably most often used on Sundays. And uh, the fourth one, you know, is this, <laughs> it's this one that I have, honestly, I rarely use it. Uh, I was concelebrating Mass with a, a priest once, and, uh, you know, normally I just, I have the the uh, Eucharistic prayers more or less memorized, so I can just follow along, but he, he 
dove into Eucharistic prayer four, and uh, I didn't I didn't have that memorized, so I had to kind of look over his shoulder the whole time. But those are the main Eucharistic prayers that we have. There's a couple other ones for reconciliation that would used be used especially during uh, Lent, uh, but the those are the four main ones. All right. I think that sums that, that question up. Got another one that was emailed in. It looks like uh, Lily, Lilia, emailed a question. I have heard Real Presence Radio since I've lived in Sioux Falls. I want to ask you this question. I am not Catholic. However, I, like some of you on your radio shows, are to discuss the early church history. I want to know... If you know any books that discuss the oral traditions in the Gospels, when we read the Gospels, there are a lot of stories about people whom Jesus heals or who, with whom he interacts but uh, don't know their whole story, like the woman with the issue of the blood or the Samaritan woman. I have read the, about the Samaritan woman, and uh, I'll let you elaborate. Uh, well... Uh, thanks first thanks for calling in um, so Lila uh, as far as the um, other uh, people in the in the Gospels there are kind of uh, what we would call apocryphal uh, stories uh, so of course there's only the inspired scripture that we have in that's in the bound Bible New Testament uh, but there's other uh, traditions that have developed down uh, through the age or have been passed down. So, for example, the traditions about Mary Magdalene were uh, circulated widely in the early church. You know, after the New Testament period is over, after the apostles died, it's not like everybody just fell off the face of the earth. I mean, they they still knew these people. They they passed on the, their uh, experiences with them um, outside of what is recorded in Scripture. So, yeah, there's a lot of uh, traditions out there. There's a lot of... Uh, um, stories they're not inspired I'd say distinguish that from scripture so it's not uh, guaranteed knowledge it's not uh, guaranteed uh, to be factual um, there's a lot oftentimes a lot mixed in so you kind of have to to read it judiciously but um, there's a I would I guess I can't think of any books offhand that go through that history I would say if you look at any of the early church fathers some of those early Christians who who were writing uh, at that time, that's where a lot of those stories come from. Uh, there's also Lives of the Saints um, from the early church, uh, collected books of the Lives of the Saints that uh, recall those stories as well. You can read more about Mary Magdalene. They might dis uh, discuss some of those traditions about her or any of these other uh, uh, people that are named but not really elaborated on in the scriptures. So, great question. Yes, it is. This is our Straight Talk segment of our program. You can either give us a call this morning, give us our studio number a call, you can email us, you can uh, drop us a note on Facebook. We would love to hear from you. And uh, I'll grab my number here for our studio line. The number is 877-795-0122. What's on your mind this morning? We would love to hear from you. We'd love to hear to take your call. And uh, we'd love to start that conversation, mm -hmm. whether it be about your walk, your, uh, your faith, if it's something in uh, a reading that you've read, 
and you're confused about or you'd like to comment about, we'd certainly love to take that call and uh, discuss that particular uh, issue that's on your mind. Again, 877-795-0122. And, Father, we were talking, I had mentioned earlier, um, Monday night I had uh, been in a discussion with some friends, both Catholic and Protestant friends, mm-hmm. and we got to talking about a reading. Let me just kind of pull up this very particular reading up. And the reading was in regards to being saved. And uh, the both the, my friends that are Catholic mm-hmm. and non-Catholic alike, you know, they, they were confused about, you know, you know, this church says this and this church says that and which way, you know, to uh, to go and uh, what's right and what uh, what we can expect and uh, let me get this up here in just a second. Uh, I made a note in my phone and I have to get to it. Uh, the reading that we were discussing was from Romans, Romans ten, sure. verse thirteen, and, uh, and briefly it kind of goes over everyone who calls on the Lord will be saved. And, of course, with that said, it opened a whole kind of can of worms between uh, the Catholic faith and other denominations. So just kind of like to get your thoughts on that and uh, where, you're, where, where, where things are at. Yeah, uh, well, great question. That uh, particular passage is a quotation from the prophet Joel. And uh, the prophet is, he envisions a time of, of judgment and salvation in the messianic age when the, the Messiah will come and he'll pour out his spirit upon uh his people. And so first it's a it's a quotation, so we have to look at what was the original quotation about, speaking about the Lord uh and the coming Messiah in general. Um it's a uh you know I think in letter to the Hebrews, uh I think it's chapter eleven, they get the the uh author gives the the most kind of bare bones uh requirement, let's say, for coming to the Lord, and that is that we believe that God exists and that we uh, believe that he will reward us for our deeds, and so we act accordingly. Um, and if that's if we have that basic knowledge of who God is, uh, he he will uh, you know come and and save us. Now, Catholics and Protestants differ on their theology of how that takes place, what's involved in that um, that act of faith and that uh, gift of salvation. Uh, Catholics, of course, have uh, long held that faith comes uh, through hearing, and that requires our assent, that we assent to um, these truths that have been revealed to us by God, and um, that, that so that's a kind of a twofold thing. We, we believe and we act. Whereas uh, our non-Catholic brothers and sisters um, have held to a doctrine called the um, sola fide, or saved by faith alone, and uh, in that case, um, they, what they would say is that we—it's only an act of faith. Uh, it's only in a sense we trust, and that's it. Now, there's a big a, uh, there's a big difference there, and uh, it's a pretty complicated uh, uh, history and subject. But does that kind of yes, to it the, does. It does, and, and I, I think so often we uh, we we take uh, something. Pretty fairly complex, and we try to simplify it, and we, in that process of simplification, it gets lost. The translation gets lost, and we don't get the full meaning out of where we're at with it. Right? Yeah, that's that's the uh, 
the, the difficulty with religion. I mean, when we're talking about religion, it is a complex subject. I mean, when we're talking about God, how does how does one speak about God? He's pure spirit. He's infinite. He's almighty and all-knowing. Like, how do we accurately speak about who he is and uh, who he, how he interacts with us? That's a, that's a, a lifelong uh, endeavor to do and, and do well. But uh, our great Catholic tradition has had uh, centuries upon centuries to think about this, to contemplate, and to... Uh, receive those teachings. There's a the, the fathers of the church used to say that scripture is first written on the heart of the church, uh, and then it's written on the page. And so we have to always read th- that scripture in light of and along with the heart of the church and what Christians have always believed down through the ages. Um, and so that's kind of acts as a ballast and a, a, a sure guide for how we um, interpret those scriptures because, you know, when you have bare text, you can go any any direction. <laughs> so, so very true. And uh, I think the neat thing about that, at least for me personally, is that the part of that that interplays with it is our free will. God gives us a free will to understand that and to make that effort to understand it because if we don't dive into the complexity of it, mm-hmm. We don't truly get the word out of it, and we don't get the true meaning out of it, and mm-hmm. we don't ignite that fire that's inside of us, and we don't ask that Holy Spirit to engulf us with the whole picture and yeah. our understanding of it. Yeah, um, and that I think the Catholic Church, one of the things I love about it is it's a great champion of the human mind. Like, we can actually know stuff. Like, we, we can, we can uh, with the help of God, we can... Um, sort through these things and so he entrusts that to us that task of investigation and understanding uh, and so we're always called to be patient with each other on that that uh, that road of understanding um, I know <laughs> over the years I've definitely learned more and have changed my mind uh, multiple times so we always have to be uh, open to the workings of God and and letting him kind of transform our minds and uh, renewing them in Christ. All right, we have got a a question here. Pam is on Facebook today. Okay, Father, this one's for you. Uh, Pam says, if you were told you had to pick one Bible story for one full year to give a sermon on, which Bible story would you pick? Wow. (laughs) Gosh, uh, one story to, I mean. Just one. Gosh, um, well, you know, um, in our uh, lectionary, which is the the list of readings that we go throughout the year, so the whole the the uh, the whole year is charted out uh, for our readings in our Catholic liturgy. So over the course of three years, we cover uh, almost the entire entirety of Scripture, uh, and the the crucifixion narratives. Are only really they only come up unfortunately during uh, Lent, during uh, especially the 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 week uh, the Holy Week, and I find that I I just wish I could preach on those more often. Especially there's some great again traditions and uh, deep insights that the church has uh, pulled out of like the seven last words of Christ, like his seven words from the cross. 
the church has looked at that and said, okay, if Jesus is dying on the cross, he's only, you know, he's suffocating basically. He, every breath counts. What is he saying? What does he choose to say uh, coming from the cross? And we can linger on those words. And uh, there's a, there's a, it's an endless font of, of, uh, of uh, you know meaning, significance, and 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 love coming from our Lord on the cross. So, uh, I think I would probably go with the uh, the crucifixion narratives. Excellent, excellent. Hopes hopes that answers uh, Pam's question. Uh, our phone number again this morning. This is Straight Talk. We invite you to give us a call and uh, share your question with us this morning. Eight seven 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 nine five zero one two two. And Phil on Facebook. I'm encountering in uh, discussion with more conservative Catholics certain theologies they uh, impose, espouse, espouse. Yeah. Okay, uh, which uh, read here? Which smack of of Jansenism and Calvinism. Can you discuss these heresies? That's interesting. Yeah. Uh, So, um, well, uh, so there's a a couple heresies that arose in the 17th century, uh, 16th and 17th. Calvinism was uh, the heresy that was uh, founded by John Calvin, who was one of the early Protestant reformers. and he, he's, I mean, one of the most, what he's most well known for is uh, a doctrine called double predestination. Um, I don't profess to be a Calvinist, so I'm sure it's more uh, subtle than this, but this is, <laughs> this is the uh, top of my head response to Calvinism. Calvinism is, um, their double, doctrine of double predestination is that uh, God has predestined a certain number of the elect to heaven, and for those who are not numbered a number of the elect, he has predestined for hell. And so he quite literally created some for heaven and created some for hell. Uh, the Catholic Church would disagree with that and say, uh, no, he created everyone for heaven. It's a matter of their free choice uh, of receiving that. Jansenism was a, uh, a, a Catholic movement that uh, kind of went awry as well. They were strongly influenced by Calvinists. And there were, uh, if I remember right, I mean, it's been a while since I looked up Jansenism, but if I remember right, they were uh, kind of rigorist and um, uh, very harsh in their spirituality, uh, very uh, uh, kind of um, had a kind of a dour outlook on the human person. And so... Uh, I could be confusing things here, but if I remember right, I think that the Jansenists would say, like, for example, we should we should only receive Holy Communion once a year, if that. Uh, many of them would would hardly receive Holy Communion at all because they had such a pessimistic view of uh, themselves, their sin, and the Church sa- said no. And that's when they the Church said you must receive at least once a year. <laughs> um, and now I would say maybe we have the opposite issue in our day. <laughs> Uh, on that regard, but um, so I hope that's helpful. I mean, off the top of my head, Jansenism and Calvinism. Uh, if Catholics tend to um, uh, those theologies, my uh, advice or the advice of uh, our tradition has always been uh, from the Dominicans: uh, seldom affirm, never deny, always distinguish. If they make an assertion, 
seldom say, oh, yep, that's, that's, that's perfectly true and accurate, just as you said it. Seldom affirm, always, or seldom defer, affirm, never deny, never say that's totally wrong, full stop. There's an element of truth in what they're saying. We just have to sort it out. And the third thing is always distinguish. If you mean this, then yes. If you mean that, then no. So that's how the church has uh, traditionally uh, approached sorting out these matters. Very interesting. Great question. Great question. Thanks, Phil, on Facebook. A little better than halfway through our our segment of Straight Talk this morning. Still plenty of time to take your call or answer your question on either Facebook or online. Or, uh, yeah, best just to give us a call. We'd love to hear from you. 877-795-0122. Want to talk a little bit, Father, about National Vacations Awareness Week. What is it? What does it mean? Well, it's uh, calling to mind the uh, fact that the Lord has called us, uh, each one of us, to a particular vocation. And um, it's our duty as Catholics, as Christians, to ask the Lord, you know, uh, what is your will for me? And how uh, can I serve you and follow you uh, in the course of my life? So we set aside a week to um, focus on those those questions bring awareness to the uh, various vocations that the Lord has, uh, you know, that the Lord calls us to. Now, when you say this, when you say vocations, mm-hmm. it, it's a, a, a huge word, and uh, applying it simply, anything is really a vocation in, in the Lord, right? Yeah. Uh, are you yeah. Re- are referring more to the, the church itself? Now, that's a great question, Mark always distinguish. <laughs> okay. uh, so, uh, yeah, let me distinguish that uh, uh, the word vocation comes from the Latin vocare, which means to call. And so God calls us to uh, certain things. I mean, uh, there's when we speak of vocation in the church, what we're, what we're usually talking about is a state in life. And so the, the basic states in life are, of course, the married life. That's uh, the most... Uh, most obvious, most regular, and a beautiful vocation in, in the Lord. Uh, he calls uh, some to the uh, ho- uh, life of holy orders, either through the permanent diaconate or the priesthood. He calls some to religious life, and that is to commit them their lives to follow the gospel literally and give away everything they have and go uh, follow him. And there's uh, maybe a lesser well-known vocation that's kind of making a comeback since the Second Vatican Council, and and that is the uh, vocation of consecrated virginity. I have a good friend of mine, a couple good friends actually, I'll be seeing them this weekend. Uh, uh, they uh, are uh, both women, and they've committed their lives to consecrated virginity in the world, where they have been consecrated by their bishop to um, devote their lives to service of God and others. Uh, and and offer their celibacy, their their a gift of their sexuality to the Lord, so that they're not in a religious order, they're not um, they're not married, um, and they're uh, they're not uh, let's say just single. They're they're consecrated by by uh, God. So Saint Thomas Aquinas says that whenever we perform some good work, if that's with a vow, it it elevates and and kind of infuses that good work uh, with even greater it imbues it with even greater grace so um, so that's another vocation that uh, we are called to reflect on and ask the Lord if he's calling us to that but generally we use vocation as also like you know 
occupation mm -hmm. or uh, you know my calling is to uh, Especially in our world and our society today. Now, for, for listeners and for those of us out there that uh, want to strengthen those vocations, um, obviously, would be prayer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. Um, Other ways to sure, offer that's a, encouragement? Yeah, great question, too. Um, uh, St. Paul, one of his favorite images of the church is a body. And that body, and the reason he likes that image is because our physical bodies have uh, different members, and those members have different purposes. And uh, there's no jealousy or uh, uh, dissension in the body. We, the, bo the human body just operates, uh, you know, uh, in a harmonious whole, and that's the, the image, that's the uh, goal for the church. So when we talk about supporting vocations, I mean, we're all connected, just like the human body. There's this, we're in this together. <laughs> and so, yeah, we can pray, we can and should pray for each other. We, um, uh, we can also, uh, support our, uh, our priests by, um, you know, letting them and help and allowing them, giving them permission to be a part of our lives, to invite them over to, uh, to, um, uh, get to know them to to let them uh you know be a kind of a, a member extended member of our family that's why we call them father uh now with that said and that that invitation out there mm -hmm. explain a little bit about the necessity for us catholics to invite people to attend mass the rica classes and different activities within our church uh yeah there's um RCIA is is an acronym for the Rite of Christian Initiations Initiation for Adults, and so RCIA is for any Catholic uh, who has not been confirmed and would like to be, uh, or a Catholic who's kind of reverting to the the, the Catholic faith, um, and maybe more more especially RCIA is for non Catholics who are interested in learning more about the faith and are. Uh, open to the possibility of becoming Catholic themselves. So it's, it usually starts around this time, usually in October in your local Catholic parish, and it goes until the Easter vigil. And uh, there's um, classes. There's no obligation to join the Catholic Church after you've participated in the RCIA classes. It's just an information session that helps people make an informed decision about whether or not to become Catholic. Um, I forget. Is that the whole? The That's question? the whole question. Okay. We Great. do have we we do have a call on the line. John from Sioux Falls wants to uh, refer to a previous call regarding the uh, Romans. So uh, I'm going to let Paul uh, John ask the question. Good morning, Hello, John. Good morning. Good morning, John. Welcome. Hey, I um, I have some friends who are not Catholic. Play golf with a minister and they really rely on the paul's uh, quote from romans and i really have to bite my lip to you know call it not call it a snippet or something like that but they really rely you know if you confess with your mouth and believe with your heart you'll be saved and and it's almost their entire uh, belief is based on that and i i understand that but in the new american bible in the preface to the letter to the uh Paul's Roman, they, they kind of give an explanation, Paul's letter to the Romans, and it says that he was uh, on his way to Rome, and it was, the context was he was basically 
trying to unite the believers who some were Jews who, uh, you know, came, who were strict observers of the law, and some were Gentiles. And basically, he was trying to get the two groups together. And I, I think if, if we'd emphasize that more, maybe, you know, people would really, that, that it's a powerful, it's a powerful passage, but it's not the whole thing. And I, I think sometimes then they, you know, it certainly isn't supposed to uh, uh, overturn the things that Jesus said. And uh, what do you think? Uh, yeah, I think that's uh I think it's a good insight in the sense of uh, getting the broader context, getting, uh, you know, matching the rest of Scripture with... It's always a danger to be reductionistic, to reduce, you know, the whole of the Christian life to one passage. Uh, and so even in our gospel today, uh, our Lord says, unless you pick up your cross and follow me, you cannot be my disciple. Right. And so, I mean, there's... I mean, that seems conditional. It seems like the Lord is setting a condition for uh, coming to him, for, for being in fellowship with him and being united to him, is we have to pick up our cross. So, I mean, we, we can't reduce uh, uh, any any passage to uh, the totality of the faith, or that's all it takes. Um, there's plenty of other passages throughout uh, Scripture that um, fill out the rest of that, that picture. So I think, uh, yeah, good insight. I hope that answers your question. Well, no, that's something. Well, I don't want to get into an. You know, I don't want to use scripture as like an intellectual forearm or something like that. But uh, you, you want to have some, some way to, you know, rely and and defend the faith without. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, and that's that's exactly you know, why. Uh, that's why the Lord gave us the the scriptures in the first place. It's uh, good for correction and reproof and uh, equipping us for every good work. So uh, that's what we're called to do: is is stand firm on on the fullness of Scripture, and uh, but at the same time, be uh, be hoping, be be conciliatory, be uniting with uh, all of our, our brothers and sisters as as best we can to the extent that we can. So thank you. Thanks, Thanks John. Appreciate you have a great day. Great, great call. Great question from John from Sioux Falls. Appreciate that call. This is our Straight Talk segment of our program here on Real Presence Live. I am your host, Mark Cheney, along with Father Gary. We are coming to you live from Eveleth, Minnesota today. And uh, here in Eveleth, uh, wherever you're at here in Eveleth, we have some light snow. It's a beautiful day. Uh, I love Minnesota. That's all I can really say. I, I really can't say enough about Minnesota and my love for for uh, this area. Yeah, well, Eveleth is... Uh we're, we take winter seriously up here. Of course, we got the the Hockey Hall of Fame uh, locally here in our our city. There's this giant hockey stick <laughs> uh, that's down the st- just down the street from us. They have a long tradition here of uh, winter sports, of of especially of hockey, and uh, so yeah, we we take our winter seriously. That that we that we do. Um. It, it's been a, a fun segment. We've covered a lot in our Straight Talk segment this morning, a lot of different ideas, a lot of different thoughts, and it, it's, been just, it's been just a marvelous, uh, warm, inviting uh, approach to it. So here we are. Yeah. Thank you to all those that called in and wrote in with your questions. Reminder, this segment is on at 9.30 Central Time every Monday through Friday. We'll be back 